Welcome to the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries. Since 1969, God has used Bill Glass Ministries to impact people from all walks of life with the gospel. Whether through evangelism training, at a citywide crusade or prison evangelism event, or just in daily life, God has connected so many people together through this ministry and the power of the good news. While just a scratch of the surface, these are some of those stories. After listening to each episode, we hope you feel encouraged, equipped, and ignited. Welcome to Episode 2. I'm Kit Van Arsdale. Today's conversation is with Richard Ellis. He is a board member, a teammate, and a pastor in the Dallas area. When I first met Richard, I assumed that he was a guy that had it all together and always had. In this conversation, I found out very differently. He loves people. He loves the Lord. He loves the church. He is a great guy to talk to. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Well, Richard, thanks for joining us. Yes, sir. Thanks for um, having me. Can you just give us a little a little background? Who is Richard Ellis? So I was born at a really early age. Um, <laughs> That's an old joke my dad used to tell. Um, No, I grew up, uh, I'm the sixth generation preachers in my family. I was called to preach at 14. No no pressure. I don't remember anybody saying anything about me having to be a preacher. Just had an encounter with God at 14 and, you know, never questioned that. I used to question what I got saved at six as I look back and tried to get saved about five or six other times after that because I was just afraid it didn't take or just nobody helped me nail that down why I don't know but um but I used to question whether I was saved but never question whether I was called to preach so that's Interesting. pretty nuts Interesting. so um finally got both of those nailed down um yeah so I I grew up with a lot of religion my dad was a pastor then an evangelist and a missionary uh lived in England while he studied at Oxford as a kid and then uh, moved to Brazil, kind of 10 years to 7 years, 17, 10 to 17. Um, and kind of realized I kind of had a lot of religion, but not much relationship. My dad was six foot nine, very intimidating. Um, let's just say when we left the house, we didn't have any problems. But in the house, we had problems. Mm. It's just one of those dysfunctional things. You just you couldn't tell anybody or you might be killed by your father kind of thing it's the way you felt so perfect right we had a perfect little family that in all of us ended up in counseling and discovered we were not doing well Hmm. so uh got out of high school came back to the states baylor southwestern seminary some dts barely made it out of uh seminary Uh, i was pretty much Nobody knew this that I know of, but it was pretty much kind of suicidal in seminary. And pastoral church, uh, my last two years of Baylor, first two years of seminary out in the country, about three and a half hours from um, from Fort Worth. So just kind of a nuts deal driving back, four and a half hours from Fort Worth down outside of Austin. So I did that for four years, and I used to drive down the road and, you know, just miserable. Um really outgoing you know personality that was the way i disguised my despair it's kind of bigger than life bada bing bada boom you know be funny but inside i was hurting and i'd drive down the road and um 
look at a bridge and you know I was going to hit a bridge and my story would be that um, he fell asleep serving the Lord I mean I already had my funeral plan that's what they would figure out that he fell asleep died what a great guy and nobody knew I'd killed myself so I was playing with that and you know I'd I, I couldn't figure it out I hated the Bible in some ways I'd get up and preach in my little church and people come down the aisle crying and I'd be like pissed I didn't use that word back then, but I found it in the Bible, so I use it now. Um, you know, I'd be you like, got, "You got what? a reference for like, that?" <laughs> yeah, him that pisseth against the wall, look it up. So um, it's in there. So you know, I'd be like, "What the heck?" You know, I I don't even know what you know what's what works, but the gospel works. Here they are being saved, and so I cared about people, but I was trying to care about people more than I cared about myself, and I didn't care about me because I didn't know God cared about me. So if you don't get the vertical thing working and the internal part working, the horizontal relationships, they just don't work. Right. So I just, um, I thought about killing myself. Then I was too chicken to kill myself. And so then I literally began to beg God to kill me. I said, look, if I'm a Christian, I'm pretty sure at least that part, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm called to preach. I can't make this work. I'm in seminary. I can't make sense of the Bible. I hate reading it because I read it and it, re- it speaks of joy, peace, love, all these things. I got none of this. Hmm. I don't even know you love me. I think I love you. I don't know you. You know, I felt like I was on a Mr. Christ relationship level with him, never first name basis, um, as though his last name were Christ, Jesus Christ. You know, that's how I felt. Um, so I begged him to kill me and he wouldn't kill me. So that didn't work. So I said, "Then you're gonna have to you're gonna have to send me some help." And at the end of my four years pastoring that little church, there was a Sunday afternoon. I'd preached that Sunday morning, you know, driving back and forth, working a job in Fort Worth, working this church, just burning out, burning out. So I lay down in this chairman of the deacon's house to rest that afternoon before the evening service. Whoever dreamed up Sunday night church was a real sadist. I mean, that's insanity. So. Um, I lay down and he came in to wake me up and say it was time to get up and get ready. And I couldn't move. I mean, I'm laying on my back in this bed and I'm not sick and I know I'm not sick. And I could not physically lift my own body off the bed and I realized I'm in trouble. So resigned the church pretty quick thereafter, checked myself into a facility for a week. My roommate had checked himself into a hotel room with five or six ounces of Coke and was going to snort it. You know, he was going to kill himself. Somebody found him. and So you're asking the questions. I'm telling you the answers. So I end up the first session in this place in Bernie, Texas, you know, probably helped save my life. Uh, they went around the circle. I said, I'm Richard Ellis, pastor, resigned my church, and I don't give a damn about any of you people. I said, I am not here to fix anyone. I don't care about you. And I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to get myself some help. So it got really quiet. No one spoke to me for three days. Wow. You know, I was done. Like, I am tired of trying to help everyone else. And I got no answers. So that began a long process. Um, God eventually sent me an old man, Claude Townsend from Mississippi. Long story how I met him. But uh, I wouldn't be here without him. And he discipled me. And he took me on to the death. I literally buried Claude uh, with another man that he had discipled by the name of Arthur Blessed. 
that it hauled the cross all over the world. Right. And so Arthur and I buried Claude. So wow. the old man had some impact. Um, backward Tennessee mountains, but he knew Jesus and he loved me. And I had had plenty of people give me truth, but no time. And some people would give me time, but no truth. But the combination of time and truth will knock you down. And through time with him and his patience with me and working through all my religious crap and trying to sort it out, he uh, he helped me a lot. And I just, I wouldn't be here without him. So um, finally got to the place where I knew kind of on a dime one day, Claude was actually doing a Bible study and it just hit me that he loved me, that God loved me. And if you don't know God loves you personally, it's not going to work. So once you experience God's love, like, okay, he's, if he's not, you know, my verse, the verse says, if God be for us, who can be against us? But my mine was, if God be against you, who can be for you? Hmm. And I thought he was against me. My dad was, you know, big, angry, kind of, he didn't want to do something, you'd get hurt. Um, and I thought God is the same kind of dad. And so do the right thing. You won't get hit. Do the, you know, do the wrong thing. You're not going to go well. So just, and I learned this early on as a, as a, as a little kid, you know, I kept hearing this thing. So-and-so is not acting like a Christian. Mm-hmm. So I think, what does that mean? And I thought, well, acting, that's kind of drama. You got to act like it. Hmm. So I started acting like a Christian. So most, most Christians, there's a, you know, there's props, you got to have a Bible, there's costumes, you got to wear certain clothes. Mm-hmm. So, and the stage is church. Yep. And if you can show up on stage with your prop and do whatever you're supposed to do, it doesn't matter if you're smoking weed behind the building. If on stage you act like a Christian and everybody believes it, you're good to go. Yep. So I learned to act like a Christian. I just didn't know how to live like a Christian. So it all got broken down to some very basic things, and I realized, I said, you know, if I'm if I'm two weeks or two months old really spiritually, not how many years have I been a Christian, but if that's really who I am, I wanna, if I'm two weeks old, I'm going to find that out, and I want to grow up. I'm tired of acting like I'm 30 when I'm, I don't know anything. Right. So I dropped out of the ministry, got a job, went in the business world for 10 years, and Claude discipled me kind of through that time, was able to get married, and um, that business time was good for me because it was. I, I thought I'm not going to do hand-me-down religion anymore. If I don't have it, I'm not going to teach it. I want it to be personal. So that's a little bit of us. And then okay. eventually started a church. Okay. So 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 you uh, so at what? How old were you when it clicked? When it? When I was it, probably in my mid twenties okay. when it finally made. When I didn't want to die anymore, I realized. I had a reason to be here, and yeah, it's a it's a profound thing. I, I cannot un, un, you know understate the importance. And if, so, if somebody out there listening, like just you, just don't even you don't believe or know. No matter what the Bible says, like you don't get it. You got to find someone that you think gets it and tell them I don't get it. I don't I don't know you. It looks like you believe God loves you. I don't understand that. Can you help me? Because someone who knows that will help you. Don't pick a religious person. Pick someone that you see fire right. in their eyes. You sense uh, someone can't overflow unless they're full. It's not possible. 
So you have to pick someone that's overflowing with the love of God, and they got enough for them and for you, and then they can help you. And they're, right, being, they're and they're more than willing to. They're legit Christ followers, right? And they, if they are, they're not going to stiff arm you. They're going to go, absolutely, I'll help right. you, because they they've been there, and they're in a different place and knew what it take to get you know what it takes to get there. So what did, what was the process to get back into ministry? Was it that was it a, a gradual thing or did God just go, all right, your turn to Well while I was in there. while I was in business, um, I eased back into teaching a, a Sunday school class as a layman, as a business person, tag team the singles deal at the church and one guy taught, I taught. So I eased back into that. Then eventually that church hired me to do their singles ministry from um, everything from eighteen to eighty that was unmarried for whatever reason. Did that and then um, felt like it was time to go pastor a church, and that really ended up being start a church. Fasted for seven days, and finally got an answer, and started reunion church with eleven people in my four in my family. Um, I you know I tell guys met with a guy the other day that said he wanted to start a church. I said, dude, you better have certified mail signed by all three of them, or don't do it because it's a whooping. You know, mm-hmm. this is not for the faint. Um, so at this point, that was in 1997 wow. with 15 people. So so previously you were on staff at First Dallas? Yeah, First Baptist downtown. And was that uh, Mac Brunson or was that? Mac came, I guess, maybe after. So was that, so, OS? Was that OS? I worked, was hired under OS to work okay. there. Um, and... Um, like Criswell, uh, I was ordained by Criswell, was married by Criswell, okay. and my grandfather and Criswell were buddies at Baylor. Uh, and Baylor factors into even how I'm sitting here with you. Um, one of the previous uh, CEOs of Bill Glass uh, contacted me because of a guy that comes to my church knew him, and he said, Hey, we need pastors on the board. Would you be interested? So it wasn't Bill. Okay. So, as it turns out, though, Bill and my dad were buddies at Baylor. My really? dad was a little older than than Bill. So, Bill Glass and my dad go way back. Um, my dad kind of encouraged Bill to do certain things. You know, just it, it goes way back, way, way, way back, back to the 50s. So, Bill found out that I had been asked to be on the board, and that was interesting because I went to school with Bobby and knew him at Baylor and okay so there was some connections but I was not asked to be on the board by Bill it was a whole another circuitous route and you know however many years it's been now it's uh it's good so all right so tell me about Reunion Church you 20 you said 1997 so that's 23 years at this point today 20 we're coming up in a week or so 23 years yeah so um, some of it came out of some frustration. I would, I would go to church or I'd bring, you know, think to invite someone. So I'd see someone and say, Oh, you know, your heart kind of lunges. I'm going to invite this person to church. And a millisecond later, your head goes, dude, they're going to call security on you. You can't bring this person to your church. So I was like, what, what is going on? Mm. So even, even some rich people, certain churches, if they don't dress a certain way. So back to the acting, there's certain, if you don't show up in costume, you're an outsider, right. and you're looked at that way, right. and it doesn't go well. So I was like, I, I can't do this anymore. So 
the thought was to have a church in the heart of Dallas that looked like Dallas, right? And without making any excuses. So black, white, Hispanic, rich, poor, homeless. You know, we got people that can't read that show up. Literally cannot read. So I was like, and it's not, there's no denomination. You know, I'm not against all that, but it's non-denominational. So my deal was let's clear a path from a lost person to the cross without obstacles. Where do you live? What do you drive? Where do you work? You know, do you, Can speak, you read? Do you speak English? <laughs> Can you read? You know, all these things. Just a straight shot as much as possible. Um, and we get gay people that show up. We get, every, you know, certain people that are just some churches, you're not welcome here. Right. And I thought that if you kind of put a proverbial sign up out in the front of your gathering place that said, everyone welcome, it'd be unstoppable. But about seven years in, uh, I found something out. Uh, everybody does not want to be with everybody, right? So uh, our, our nation is way more tribal than we think. And the last holdouts on this, oddly enough, are country clubs and churches. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of churches are country clubs. Well, but I'm saying those are the two we're not yielding, right? Mm-hmm. This is our club, and, and we're going to tell you anyone can join, but we're going to make it very clear what we mean by everyone welcome, the small print. So um, we've had tens of thousands of people come through the doors. I mean, that have filled something out, thousands and thousands. So they come through, hear about it, or on the radio, you know, in Dallas, all over the country, all over the planet. And so people hear about it and come, and and every once in a while, someone will say, wow, this is a really an, a really interesting new paradigm. And I say, wait, 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 wait. This is not a new paradigm. I said, this is just a church. I said, the new paradigm is all this homogeneous mess where like kind gather, and you're going to call that a church? Bowling alleys use homogeneity. You know, golf courses go down the list. Dance studios, you know, it's homogeneous. It's people like us that want to do what we're doing. Right. Um, so I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I have more patience than I used to for that. But, you know, the world's looking for Jesus, not some club to join that has a bunch of crazy hoops you got to jump through and legalistic mess. And, right. You can't even you can't even get an audience with Jesus till you clear the nutcases, hmm. right? Hmm. And they haven't even had an audience with Jesus in so long they can't get to him. Wow! So if you get out, if you get all that mess out of the way and just tell people if it really is whosoever will may come. Uh, I've been having this conversation recently with people about all this political stuff. So this is more than you're asking. There should be no such thing as a conservative Republican church. We've turned we've turned America into if you're conservative, you're Republican, mm-hmm. and la- those are synonymous. Right. So what about all the atheist, left wing, lost people who don't know any different, and and can they walk in your church doors and it not not be bombarded with political? Well, this is this is just these things are true. Okay, so can a, for instance, had this conversation today at lunch. Can a can a can a a Christian be pro-choice on the abortion issue? And the answer is absolutely. You say, well, how is that possible biblically? The assumption is, and this is back to the acting like a Christian. 
you get saved and what you find is you have to immediately adopt dogma, boom, in one moment. Mm -hmm. God doesn't require it. But the church says if you don't agree with all this statement, you can't be here. So they have to, if they want to stay, they have to say that's where they are. But genuine, real, authentic, atheist, godless, pagans, they're not interested in all that crap. They don't even know what that is. They meet Jesus, and the Holy Spirit moves in and mm-hmm. starts a process. So churches are not very good at being churches where anyone can come and process. So will will a growing I do believe this, a growing, maturing believer will ultimately arrive at a place reading scripture where I do think they would shift to being pro-life. Right. Right? Because clearly it speaks to that. But if they've participated in an abortion, either as a man encouraging it or as a woman having one, if you've never been there, you're you're processing you've had a way of negotiating, well, I didn't kill anyone, it's not a person. Right. It's like owning a slave. Well, it's, yeah. I'm not doing anything wrong. It's not a person. Sure, it looks like one, but we've figured out it's not. And the law says it's not, so it's not. Mm-hmm. So on, on a dime, you say, well, you know that's a person. Now you have to be patient enough with them to help them process their grieving mm-hmm. over the life that was lost and the decision they made to kill that person. You better have people in the room who know what they're doing. So to just slam down Republican you know, you nail them all together, Republican, conservative, Christian, this is our church. It's basically flipping off half the, the country going to hell with you people because you won't fit L- here. Because we literally, we don't have anywhere for you to be sure. unless you want to get saved and get up to speed quick and agree with all of our stuff. Right. So I'm probably a, a bad person to ask these things. No, no, this is great because <laughs> I, I'm having been on staff as well at a church, I completely get... That um, what I'm hearing you say is that the, the church is is about the salvation, and the assumption is that when you have the salvation, you're instantly sanctified into true. believing that, right? Yeah. Where so the the discipleship aspect of what church is supposed to be, what relationships relationships are supposed to be, is is discarded or disregarded, so that. There, there, there's not a whole lot of sanctification going on. Which, which reveals to you that the people who see it that way have not been allowed any process either, or they would allow Correct. it. Right. So they're just stuck, like, well, nobody gave me any time. You don't have any time. Well, they're playing by the rules. Right. And they're doing what, and, and a lot of times they're angry, they're upset, they, mm-hmm. they're ignorant, they just don't know to slow down. Right. So who, who you know, this is insane. Even the example, you know, who has a baby and then puts them in a little suit and help? I'm gonna help you with your resume. You got to get a job, right? <laughs> like we're gonna, right. I'm gonna take you to interviews. You you got to get a, you know, this is okay. You're alive now. Let's yeah. go. There's no, you know, there's there's a lot of dirty diapers, a lot of crap up front, and churches don't have much patience for immaturity, right? And and if you read First Peter, I think it's in chapter three. New believer and carnal Christian are are synonyms. Hmm, I hadn't hadn't read that. Hadn't thought about that. That's the category. You are yet carnal. You need milk. So you can be a Christian and be a carnal, and and that's usually what you get. You think, well, he's a new believer. Then he's a carnal Christian. Mm -hmm. 
He doesn't know what he's doing. She doesn't know how to live. Hasn't been taught. Right. You have to help. You have to raise these kids, and that's what discipleship is. But if no one's had time, you know, I would not be all passionate about no one discipled me until Claude came along. Why all of a sudden am I so patient and passionate about discipleship? Because I wouldn't be here without it. Right. But it's a long, messy process. Indeed. Um, And it doesn't always go well because we rebel and don't like what we're told and like a bunch of little kids. Right. From what I'm gathering here is the way you operate church, the way God has, has, has geared you and the way you have taken what God has given you as the pastor of this church, it seems like it's, it's hand in glove with what Bill Glass is trying to do. Would you, would you agree with that statement? Yeah, I, I think though... From, from the evangelism aspect. Yeah, evangelism... Okay, so here's my... Um, and this is, you know, you've got teammates listening to this probably, maybe some other people, but, you know, my evangelism verse is where Jesus said, follow me and I will make you to become fishers of men. Right. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So how do you make people fishers of men? You teach them to follow Jesus. And my, if someone says to me, I'm a follower of Jesus, then I assume, I say, then you are a fisher of men. Tell me about someone who got saved recently. Because mm-hmm. if And people think there's a gift of evangelism, no such thing in the scripture. There's a gift of evangelist, but anybody can be a soul winner. Well, everybody's and supposed to be equipped. Everybody. To Jesus. Now, some people are gifted at evangelist, which is a different category, but evangelism, no one's limited, right? People right. may be afraid, rejection, whatever. But if you follow Jesus, he will make you to become a fisher of men. So I think part of what happens with Bill Glass is people, something stirs in them. They, you know, if someone asks them, okay, how long have you been a Christian? 30 years. How many people have you led to Christ? And they got zero. That's disturbing. Mm-hmm. Right? And, so. and Christians know that's disturbing. And they go, okay, what is wrong? What is wrong with this picture? Why is this not part of my life? So then somebody says, well, come with me to prison, you know, and they go and then all of a sudden go, oh my gosh, they get jump started, like going on a mission trip somewhere and um, see people saved and then hopefully bring that home and everywhere they go and go, wait, I can do this. So I I think something has to be stirring in someone. uh, And you've maybe heard me say this in board meetings. I hate going into prisons. (laughs) right and people think well why are you on a prison ministry board there's nothing pleasant so i think anyone out there that's even thinking about going into prison you think well i'm scared you should be right have i had anything bad happen to me no but it's not a pleasant place i don't want to go in to cages where other men and women or men in our case are in cages because they can't be free for some reason that's that's a wacky situation, right? Right. It's, the conditions are not great. Um, they're separated from their families, their dads with kids and wives and what and parents, and it's just it's sad in a lot of ways. Now, do I feel called to do it? Absolutely. But to for someone, I guess there are people that raw. I can't. I'm just chomping at the bit to get in there. I get that too. Sure. But this. So any, I guess I'm appealing to people to say, oh, I'm, I don't, I'm not excited about going in. That's okay. Sometimes, as a parent, I'm not excited about everything I have to do as a dad, mm-hmm. but I still have a responsibility. And if God says, you're up, you're up. Right. So respond to the calling and the joy that comes with it, because there's tremendous things that happen behind the walls. Um, but if you, if, you're not, you know, if you don't get behind them, you miss it. Um, 
and it is a good fishing hole. It's, you know, if you want to learn how to share your faith, it's, it's a great place to do that. Perfect. The fish are biting. Right. Right. <laughs> Not physically, but. And it, it, it gets you ready for afterwards. It yeah. gets you ready for when you go back out into the Because if you can do it there, there's a good chance you can have the conversation well, with almost anybody. Right, right. Because the, the, the experience that I've seen with so many people is is they don't they don't share because of the fear and things that you talked about. Right. Um, but what I see on events, and, and uh, I think you're in agreement, is that you, you see that when Jesus told us that we need to go and make disciples, which included evangelism in that, was that he? He's not going to leave us alone to do it on our on our own. He's going yeah. to give us the Holy Spirit to give us that that power. Yeah. And a lot of times, um, what I've seen is I see people experience saved people really experience the power of the Holy Spirit for yeah. the first time ever yeah. on a prison yard. Yeah, and and the thing that people don't factor in sometimes as well is the 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 lake is stocked. Mm-hmm. God has stocked. The pond, so to speak, right? Um, not just with fish, but with hungry fish, which means that before I ever show up with my pole and my bait, he's already got them ready. And that's so it, it kind of blows your mind if you think about it. Some kid's born, gets into trouble. Grandma's praying for him. He gets arrested. He's in jail. Some believer over here is prompted to get involved with Bill Glass, a prison ministry. So God is orchestrating all these things and these teammates who go, what the heck, I don't want to go into a prison. If you're prompted to and being pulled in that direction, literally God has, is, is, is setting up these eternal intersections yep. where grandma, mom, dad, brother, sister's prayer, please God, get somebody in there to talk to my brother and my sister. Right. And either another inmate, which sometimes happens, or someone from the outside, we end up being the answer to someone's prayer by building, by willing to go to the least of these, uh, it's just extraordinary. Way more going on, moving parts than you think about Absolutely. at the moment. But Absolutely. he's at, he's at work. Yeah, very cool. So if um, so, let's say this this somebody who's a believer is listening to this, whether it's a teammate or not. Um, is there anything you really? Is there a message that you really have for somebody who? is a Christ follower, how would you, how would you ultimately encourage that Christ follower? You know, I would, I would encourage you to keep following him and, and find people who are a few steps ahead of you, if not many steps ahead of you in their following him. Don't just pick random people say, Lord, send people to me and me to people for men, you know, a man to, to men, women to women. Say, Lord, show me someone who's a little farther down this road who loves the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their mind, whole soul, and strength, loves their neighbor as themselves, which implicit in that is, you, I tell people that most of the world is doing that number two without number one. Mm-hmm. Most people are loving their neighbor the way they love themselves. They don't love themselves. They don't love their neighbor. Right. You cannot love yourself unless you know you get love from God, from God for God, for yourself, then for other people. And so it, you you got to be careful not to get around uh, angry Christians. Hmm. Stay away from mean, angry, orthodox Christians because sometimes all the doctrine is 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 accurate. There's just no life. 
There's no right. joy. There's no peace. There's no right. love. There's no fruit on the tree. So you can tell me it's an apple tree all you want. I, I don't see any apples. I've never heard of apples. Nobody says there's apples, right? So get away from that tree. Find a fruit tree that bears fruit and spend time with that person. And again, uh, it's kind of like Elisha and Elijah. You know, he ended up with a double portion because he kept up. He hmm. stayed with him. Hmm. He said, if you're with me when I'm, when I'm taken away, I'll double it, which meant I'll, you're going to get the mantle anyway. That was right. guaranteed. But I'll double it if you're here when I leave. So stayed right after him to the very second he was airlifted. So, <laughs> you know, find people who are going where you're going and who are following who you're following, and they'll be able to impart things. Sometimes that can speed that process up. Uh, you don't have to figure it all out by yourself. Um, so there's no such thing as a leader that's not a follower. Mm-hmm. And if someone thinks they, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't exist. Any president who gets it at all understands he may be the quote-unquote leader of the free world, but he he better be the follower of the king or he's not going to make it. Wow. You know. That's right. So everyone's under authority and the sooner you figure that out and get under someone else's authority who you know can help you, um, it'll just go a lot. A whole, it's going to go, it's going to be rough because he promised, you know, we'd have tribulation and suffering, but you're not by yourself and someone at least knows where some of the potholes are before you hit them yourself. True. So True. All right, so let's say somebody comes into town where where do you what what time and where if they want to come visit Reunion Church? So we meet in the convention center, uh, downtown Dallas by City Hall. Start at ten ten. We don't. I mean, as long as you wear clothes, we don't care. We have people that crawl out from under bridges. Um, half the time, I think they're angels. Just we're just getting tested, but we we take care of them. Um, it's the convention center theater on the corner of Canton and Ackard. Uh, you can go to reunionchurch.org. Or call the office, 214-954-0000. Our offices are over in uh, across the American Airlines Center, but we actually don't come to the office. You go to the website, go to the convention center on a Sunday. Um, yeah, it's everybody. You're, there's no one you're going to bring that won't be welcome. Very cool. And if someone doesn't believe that, just test it. And that's not just me saying it. It's a body of believers that if you walk in the door, they'll love on you because that's all they know. You probably get hugged because I'm a hugger, <laughs> and hugged by someone other than me too, because they think that's what you're supposed to do. And I was like, just be thankful I didn't implement the holy kiss first. So <laughs> if you think the hugging's hard on you, that would really take you out. So, well, very good. Well, Richard, yeah. thanks for your time. You bet. Thank appreciate you. It. Appreciate good talking with you. Appreciate the time and uh, what you do and who you are. All right. Okay. You too. All right. Thanks. You bet. I want to thank Richard for being on for episode two. Uh, Every time I talk to Richard, I'm encouraged and I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go share Jesus and love on people. And it's just always encouraging to talk to him. And we hope that this podcast encouraged you as well. If you were, we'd like to know. You can hit us up on Facebook at Bill Glass Behind the Walls. You can hit us up on Instagram at BGBTW. We're on LinkedIn as well. Or if you want to send us an email, we'd appreciate that too. Just email us at info at billglass.org. We appreciate you listening in this time and we look forward to seeing you soon.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries. We hope that you've been encouraged by another story of God working in an amazing way. Our desire is that you walk away from each and every episode empowered to allow the Holy Spirit to use you for His glory as you work out your faith every day. If you're interested in learning more, getting involved, or supporting Bill Glass Ministries, check out our website at BehindTheWalls.com. You can also find us on Facebook at Bill Glass Behind the Walls and Instagram at BGBTW. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on the Equip and Ignite podcast, powered by Bill Glass Ministries.